Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. After we're done with service this morning, I would love to have all of our teens come up front. You all look so pretty today. Um, But I would love to have you come up front. We're going to get a picture with Taylor um, today, and I figured now's a good time when, like I said, y'all look so pretty. So come on up here and meet us after service to get that picture. Um, We are excited for our college students to come back. We've been talking about it as a church and, and what this looks like and how do we reach our college students. We actually have and some of you may be shocked to learn, we almost have 20 college students that are somewhat associated with our church. Um, In just a couple of weeks, um, Josh and Colin are going to be back with us. You're going to start seeing them on the worship team on Sunday mornings again. We're excited to have um, Colin Montgomery as our worship intern this fall from Trevecca, and he's going to be helping um, lead our worship ministry here at the church for the semester as a part of his senior year, and we're excited for that. Um, Along with that, we began talking with Sarah Comer about how do we um, reach Trevecca? How do we reach some students that are, you know, they're looking for a great place to, a lot of them, they're looking for places to attend church, and we have a lot to offer here at Real Life. And so we're going to, I've got a group of people who've already said they're going to bake me some cookies and bring them on the 16th of this month. We're going to bag those cookies up, and we're going to send a letter to our college students, both that are associated with our church and some new freshmen coming into Trevecca who are going to be looking for churches. And we're going to put a note in there that just says, hey, there's a church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee that's praying for you. We would love to have you visit. And we have this really great group called Between the Eights, and we're going to feed you several times this semester, and we want you to be a part of that. So we, um, if you want to know more about that and what that looks like to love on a college student, I'm sure if they show up for um, church on a Sunday, you know what they would love? Someone to take them to lunch or say, come to my house for lunch. Um, So I would love for us just to become that place that is a haven for college students, a place that just says, hey, we love you. You're away from home. We believe in what you're doing, and we want to take care of you. Um, So that's that's coming down the pipe. Um, we're, We're excited for the things that are happening there. So this morning, we are in, still in our Mark series, We're in Mark chapter 12. So if you want to open to Mark chapter 12, we're going to start in verses 18 through 25. And it says this, Then the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married and died without leaving any children. The second one married the widow, but he also died, leaving no child. It was the same with the third. In fact, none of the seven left any children. Last of all, the woman died too. At resurrection, whose wife will she be, since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, Are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God? When the dead rise, they will neither marry 
nor be given in marriage. They will be like angels in heaven. Now, before we get to the rest of this passage this morning, I want to just pause for just a second and look at this a little bit. It's kind of an odd passage to read, right? Especially for those of us who are sitting in here married and we really kind of like our spouse. Um, we, we sometimes maybe want to move on without giving it much thought because we kind of don't like that train of thought. The Sadducees, however, they spent a lot of time trying to trip Jesus up. Their goal was to make Jesus, um, make him look like a liar or make a fool of himself. And again, what does Jesus do really well? He puts them in their place. Um, what God has in store in heaven is far greater than our human mind can fathom. For those of us who, like I said, marriage is really good, we're like, but I don't want to not be married in heaven. Like, oh, that just, you know. Um, there was a gentleman who uh, we knew once who came to Jeremy and I, and he was really wrestling. He was like, um, his wife was ill, and he was like, but what happens? You know, I, I just want her to know who I am on our 50th anniversary in a couple of months. He just loved her so much. And then he's like, and, and will she know me after, after this? Like, when we're in heaven, will she know me? Just questions that he was wrestling with about, about their relationship. Um, sometimes the idea of not being in heaven worries us, married in heaven. Marriage has always been intended to represent, though, the relationship between us and God. The relationship between mankind and God is so much greater than that of husband and wife. Some of you are like, I hope so, and some of you are like, that's crazy. So we may not know exactly what our relationship with each other will look like in heaven, but it's important to remember that God's plans are always greater than our own. And in heaven, it's not going to be any different. What we encounter in heaven, it's going to blow our minds, right? Because we, we just can't fathom it here. And God's like, just wait and see. Just wait and see what I have in store for you. Now, for the final part of the passage, Mark 12, verses 26 and 27, it says this. Now about raising the dead, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the account of the burning bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken. The point of this passage is not actually about who's going to be married in heaven. The point of this passage is about who God is for us after our last breath. As I read this passage, there were two words that hit me. I am. I stopped and I reread that several times. I am. The passage didn't say, I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If it had said, I was, it would mean that they're dead and that they're gone. But it says, I am. Meaning, though their earthly life was over, he was still their God. How can God still be their God if they're dead? This is true because after even we have life after we take our final breath. The Bible doesn't give us all the details, but what we do know is that after our last breath, we're not in some kind of limbo state, a sort of reality between realities. Scripture is clear that we are with Jesus. We may not have the details, but we have that most important detail. And we aren't done with good news. While we may not have all the details of life after our final breath, we do know that at some point we're going to be resurrected and given new bodies. How many of you are like, amen, a new body, right? 
the older we get, I, I said this to Jeremy the other day, after breaking my foot, I get up in the morning and it takes me a while to be able to move normally. I'm literally like hunching myself to the bathroom because my foot just aches so bad. And I'm like, what in the world? I'm not that old, but come on. You know, just how many of you are like, I will be thankful for a new body when that day comes, right? Psh, some of you are lying. Anyway, <laughs> all right. So we're thankful for these new bodies. Um, we're going to read what happens to these new bodies. If you'll open your Bibles again to 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 10, or just look at the screens. For we know that when the earthly tent that we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies, and we will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and we sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared this for us as a guarantee that he has given us his Holy Spirit. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we have these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we're here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. For we must all stand before Christ and be judged. We will receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil that we have done in this earthly body. Did you catch the way that Paul describes the difference between the body that we now have and the body that we're going to have when we're resurrected? Um, this one, like our earthly body, is described as a tent. How many of you are tent campers in here? A couple of you. The rest of you are come to your senses. Um, my guess is most of you would say, I do not want to live in this tent for the rest of my life, right? I don't want to live forever in this tent. It's not the best that there is. Paul describes our resurrected bodies as a house, a building, a structure that far surpasses tent living. How many of you have ever had a camper? Raise your hands. Yeah. How many of you know, I'm going to, I'm like going to step on tent campers toes a second, that a camper is better than a tent because it has more amenities, right? It's, it's an upgrade from a tent. Some of you are like, that is not true. <laughs> it is. Um, for me a long time, um, tent camping was a hotel room. Uh, camper camping was a hotel room. Like I'm like, sure, let's go camping at the Hilton. Like I, I just did not want to camp, right? And then we got a camper. And, and have had some of the best memories of our life with our kids in that camper. But think about it. It's, up, it's an upgrade. Your heavenly body is an upgrade from, from the, the meager tent or camper. Let's go back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're dead, but God is still their God. And there's going to come a day when Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and you and I are going to be given new bodies, new bodies, new dwellings, new buildings, new houses. No matter what our time frame is, this is, what so, this is why I am stood out to me in that passage. God says, I am. Back then, what did God say? I am. 
Right now, what does God say? In the future, what's God going to be saying? I am. It's not who he was in Bible times that we have to rely on. It's who he is right now. That's hope. Oh, it's so good. Why say all three names, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Um, It's a reminder of the covenant that God made Abraham. In the Abrahamic covenant, it says in the book of Genesis that God promises Abraham that he's going to give Abraham and his descendants all the land from the river Egypt to the Euphrates. This land is eventually going to be known as the promised land. God promised to make Abraham the father of many nations and people and that he would bless him and care for him and all of his descendants. And you know what? God still offers us an inheritance today. I, God says to you, each one of you, he says, I have a promised land for you. As I read about future generations and our lineage in the body of Christ um, this week, a couple of songs came to mind. The first one is uh, the the song titled, Your Love Never Fails. Just two lines from it that I want to read you. It says, you stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. God stays the same. He cares for us today just like he cared for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His blessings are abundant for all of the generations that follow him. Our circumstances may change, but guess what does not change? God. God's love does not change regardless of what our circumstances are. This is a good word. It's hope for us today. The second song is this, The Great I Am. I'm still debating over this one. Jeremy and I were just discussing this this morning. Um, Have you ever sung a song and you sang a certain word in the song because you were sure that that's what it was saying? Like you hear a song on the radio and you sing it and then you actually learn what the real words are and you're like, what? That happened for me this week. I have sung this song different and it actually, the one word that I sing different changes the whole song, but we're not gonna, you can ask me about that later if you want. Here's the words. Singing is one, hallelujah. Holy, holy, God almighty, the great I am. Who is worthy? None beside the God Almighty, the great I am. I want to be near, near to your heart, loving the world, hating the dark. I want to see dry bones living again. The great I am wants to be near to us, friends. He wants to reside in our hearts. Look at the last line. I want to see dry bones living again. We're going to go back to the Old, past, um, Old Testament for a passage about dry bones. This passage is so hopeful. It's similar to Paul's language about what God's going to do with the tents that we live in right now. It's in Ezekiel 37, verses 11 through 14. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. I will settle you in your own land then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. This is a vision from Ezekiel of resurrection and restoration for the people of God. 
Did you catch what God wants to do with those dry, feeble tents that we're in? God wants to open up the graves, and he wants to bring us up and restore us to the land that we're destined for. God wants to put his spirit in us and help us to experience new life, (laughs) real life. Now, we know that he's talking about, in part, the future, right? The, what's going to happen um, after, after we take our last breath, and in, in some form, what happens in heaven. But the good news is that God doesn't just want to wait till the future to restore us. He wants to bring the future reality into our present. God, um, we know that this is true because God draws, he wants to draw us near. And God's, he wants to draw his future promise into our present reality. Because of who God is, you and I can know resurrection in him. Not just someday. We don't have to wait till after our last breath to know resurrection in Christ. We can live a resurrected life here and now and today. He doesn't want to wait until we're dead. He wants to resurrect your dry bones, and he wants to give you life today. Some of us, we walk around, and we feel hopeless, and we feel broken, and we feel tired, and we feel like we've we've lived for a long time, and we're done, or we feel like we're young, and we have nothing to offer. I mean, you, you put the title on it here. Every one of us fits into some category of how we feel like not enough. But here's the cool thing. God says, you're right. You're not. I am through you. I want to resurrect you and do a work through you. Students, I want to do a work through you in your schools this year. I want to use you to impact your classmates. Adults, I want to work through you with your neighbors and your family members and your jobs. I want you to impact right where you are. I want you to live a resurrected life. Why? Because there's other people who need to know this resurrection too. God says, I want to do work through you.